Welcome back to Radio Entrepreneurs. I'm Jonathan Friedman. Our next guest in the studio is Tom McNulty with Orlando and Anastasi. Tom, great to have you on Radio Entrepreneurs this morning. Oh, thank you for having me. I always enjoy this. You uh, <laughs> wanted to talk about a, a change in Massachusetts law over the last, uh, happened about a year ago, I guess, or a little beyond that. Um, uh, what do you yeah, tell us about yeah. it? Uh, a couple of years ago, Massachusetts made some changes to what's permissible in employee uh, non-compete agreements. And, you know, for the entrepreneurial community and non-competition agreements can be a real good way to protect your trade secrets, your confidential business information. Um, you don't have to, you know, worry so much that somebody's going to leave your business and, and, you know, take your secrets elsewhere. And you're going to have to, you know, do all kinds of investigative work to discover whether they're using them or not. You can use a non-competition agreement to just nip it in the bud and prevent them from, <clears throat> from accepting employment uh, somewhere where that's a risk. Um, and, and before you get into it, before okay. you get into it, for years it was a question of enforceability of these non-competes, correct? And and that's both within Massachusetts and across the country. It's been a discussion for a long time. It has been for quite a while. Uh, most states, including Massachusetts, just relied on sort of the developed body of common law, and they were looking to whether it was reasonable in time, reasonable in scope. You were, you know, had a legitimate business interest you were trying to protect. Uh, but over the last I don't know, 10 years maybe, there's been a push towards uh, reducing the availability of non-competition clauses and, and in some states eliminating them altogether. Uh, there's three or four states now that effectively don't allow them. Um, you know, and some of the bigger, uh, more relevant players, California um, is, is the one that immediately jumps to mind. Uh, Massachusetts didn't go that far in 2018, uh, fortunately. But um, they did make some changes that I think I think it's important for people to bear in mind, uh, particularly, you know, if 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 you're in the, the business of just downloading kind of form employment agreements, form non-competition agreements, that sort of thing. Um, some of what you're finding as a form online may no longer be uh, a valid thing. <clears throat> and so what are the changes that came about in, in 2018? So the changes that they made, they've reduced the scope of employees who can be subject to a non-competition clause of any sort. Um, so as the, as the law currently stands, non-exempt employees, uh, student interns, short-term employees, uh, employees under the age of 18 um, simply cannot have a non-competition clause that's enforceable against them. Um, and, and this applies to employees and to independent contractors, which is another sort of important distinction. Um, that, uh, quite, that quite interesting. I mean, is the perspective <laughs> there that they weren't with us long enough, or they're not old enough to know enough to to, to take trade secrets with them? Um, well, I mean, that's going to be one of the sort of areas of concern. Is there's nothing that says any of these people won't have trade secret information, um, but for whatever reason, for the you know the the restrictions it puts on their ability to earn a living and their ability to you know go about their lives, uh, this is where the state has drawn the line. Um, couple other things that sort of come into play. Uh, they cannot, you cannot enforce a non-competition uh, clause against employees of any sort who have been terminated without cause or laid off unless you can get them to agree to something in a separation agreement. So if you're laying people off and you don't want them competing, you know, you're probably going to have to come to some separate agreement and you're going to have to pay for it. Hmm. Um, probably one of the other kind of major factors of this, uh, to the extent that you are going to subject somebody to a non-competition clause, you also have to have a, they call it a garden leave clause, which basically um, it works out that for the period of time that you're enforcing the restriction, uh, you have to pay the, uh, the ex-employee at least 50% of their highest base salary during the previous two years 
uh, on which they were employed or some other mutually agreed upon consideration. Um, and and the, the mutually agreed upon consideration has to be in the non-competition agreement, the employment agreement. <clears throat> um, so, you know, obviously if you're looking to enforce one of these and you don't want to pay that kind of money, you need to work something out in advance, uh, you know, as you're hiring people. These are, these are all decisions that have to be made at the hiring stage. That was a question I was going to ask. Uh, these don't do a lot of good uh, after somebody's been in your employee for a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you can actually go to existing employees with uh, new or rewritten non-competition uh, agreements, you know, to sort of take this sort of thing into account. Um, if you do that with an existing employee, there has to be some separate um, fair and reasonable consideration uh, for them to sign it. It can't just be that they get to keep their job. You have to give them something in addition to that. It doesn't necessarily have to be money. It can be training. It can be a promotion. It can be access to new information. Um, you know, the law doesn't really um, go into what, you know, quote unquote, fair and reasonable consideration might be. And at, at common law, those were all uh, considered to be fair uh, consideration. So, uh, so it sounds to me like these new provisions um, and, and very often uh, new regulatory provisions are intended to make life simpler. Um, <laughs> I, I suspect there are, from what I'm hearing, this doesn't make it any easier for employers in Massachusetts. It's more complicated now. <laughs> well, in, I mean, I'll be honest with you. In some ways, it does make it a little bit simpler because it has some cut and dry things. Uh, for example, non-competition, uh, the term of non-competition can, can be no more than one year. Um, you know, back in the common law kind of days, you know, you look to your cases, they look to their cases, and you hope that the, that the judge saw things your way. Um, they also have um, a limitation on geographical scope that it somewhat tracks the, uh, the common law. It's gonna be reasonable in relation to the employer's protectable interests, but they've given a presumption that uh, whatever the ex-employee, um, the geographical area the ex-employee had been working in in the previous two years is presumptively reasonable. So they give at least a little bit of guidance there. And, and, and is there the ability to, to identify certain aspects? I mean, uh, you know, uh, there may be things like uh, uh, IP or technical trade secrets, things of that nature, but what about things like uh, customer lists? Um, things that, that are pretty obvious. I mean, an intern could grab that day one and oh, yeah, you know, yeah. walk out the door and say, you're not subject to any non-compete. You could share that information with anyone. So is, is there a sort of like this really gray area of, of, of things <laughs> that are, are still carved out that you can protect or, or are those all on the table? Well, trade, trade secrets are a protectable business interest and trade secrets actually cover a broader scope, I think, than most people sort of intuitively think, you know, they think the, you know, the, the formula for Coke is a, the, the famous trade secret. Um, so I think a lot of people think of trade secrets as sort of being some sort of, you know, invention idea that just hasn't had patent protection applied to it yet. But it can include things like your methods of manufacture, your um, you know, your pricing, your sourcing, your customer lists, all to the extent that they're not public and that you've taken reasonable steps to protect, uh, you know, the secrecy. Um, you know, there's, there's, it's basically anything that has monetary value by not being known to your competitors can be protected as a trade secret, assuming you take all the requisite steps. <clears throat> but those types of things would not apply in the case, uh, keep going back to an intern because it's easy to, for people to understand or a short-term employee or a contractor, those are not protectable anymore in Massachusetts. Is that correct? Um, not subject to the non-compete aspects. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> complicated. The, yeah, the, the trade secret information is deemed protectable. You just can't apply non-competition language to those types of employees. 
you can still bring, you know, if one of them were to take that and go to someone else, you can still bring trade secret misappropriation claims. Um, you just can't use non-competition law to prevent them from working there in the first place. So it's not like you're without re recourse. It's just not as good. <laughs> so so what, what is this era um, brought about um, for employers in Massachusetts? Is it, is, it, is it that every case or every situation needs to be dealt with uh, very much individually, look at the merits and, and carve out an agreement that applies to your particular uh, circumstances? Is, it, is that some of what's come out of it or? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think this, the ways to approach this are to A, really look at who you're giving access to any kind of confidential trade secret type information. Um, and give serious thought to not giving it to people that you can't apply these kinds of restrictions against. Um, and then the second one is using different uh, types of um, agreements that have restrictive covenants. So, you know, instead of having a non-competition clause, you can have a confidentiality agreement that provides for uh, penalties for taking confidential information. You can have anti-poaching uh, language that keeps, uh, you know, keeps somebody from you know, poaching your key employees, you can, you can still have language uh, that prevents them from soliciting existing customers. So even if they're working in the same field, they're at least not able to go after your, uh, your existing customers that they had dealt with previously. So, so it's, it's really, I think it's going to involve looking at the non-competition language, looking at the employment agreement and considering additional um, separate agreements um, with, you know, with your various employees. So bottom line is the one size fits all does not work anymore. <laughs> uh, no, not so much. Not so much, unfortunately. <laughs> Good stuff. Our guest has been Tom McNulty, uh, attorney at Lando and Anastasi. Uh, Tom, if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Uh, the best way is probably by email. It's tmcnulty, M-C-N-U-L-T-Y, at lalaw.com. And uh, you can also try me by phone, 617-395-7040. Excellent. Our guest has been Todd McNulty with Lando and Anastasi. And we will be right back with another segment on Radio Entrepreneurs.